Welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to another word-filled message by David Entry. Preaching is the means by which God manifests his word and nourishes our spirits. May the life of God enter into you and you as you listen to this message. Be blessed. 1 Peter chapter 4 from verse 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things, have fervent charity amongst yourself, for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man has received the gift, even so minister the same to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speaks, let him speak as the oracle of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God gives that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Praise God. In our previous teaching, I spoke about how um, we, the Bible talks of that there is always judgment. God has judgment, and ju the judgment of God is definitely coming. And in spite of what people do, whether they know God or they don't know God, all shall shall face the judgment of God. So it, it, the Bible encourages us that whilst they speak evil of us, we, we should, that we should because we don't join them in the dis, in dissipation or riot living, righteous living, because we don't join them, they find it strange and they speak evil of us. Then the Bible says in the verse 5 that, but uh, they shall give account to him that is ready to judge the living and the dead, the quick and the dead. Then it goes on to verse 6, beginning to tell us about what we should do for this cause. The gospel was preached to those who are dead that they might be judged. The judgment is inevitable. Then in the, in the, in the previous verses, he told us about what the Gentiles do in the verse 2 and the verse 3, told us about what the Gentiles do. But in, in, from the verse 7, he begins to tell us what we should do. And he, gives, he starts it by um, drawing our attention to something that is so essential, which will, which will help or which will become the platform or um, we become the impetus, impetus to do what we are uh, supposed to be doing. So how does it start? He said, after saying all this, that judgment is coming and people face judgment, he said, but the end of all things is at hand. The end. All that I've said, that judgment is coming and people will be judged and some were preached uh, in the flesh, so you'll be judged in the fresh flesh. He says that, but... The end of all things. So everything has an end. Very important. Everything has, this earth has an end. Um, whatever we are enjoying now on this earth will have an end. It's only the word of God that endures forever. It's only the word. Everything will have an end. Your marriage will have an end. Your job will have an end. Your physical life will have an end. Your family life will have an end. Um, your house will have an end. Your, whatever you're doing, your project will have an end. Everything created has an end. So he says that, watch this. This is interesting. It, didn't, it, it says that they has an end. It's at the end of all things, in fact, is at hand. That means that everything that must end is just about to end. It's at hand means that it's near. The end of all things is near. And that, which means that whatever must end is about to end. In the book of James chapter 5, verse 8, 
the Bible puts it this way, drawing our attention to the end, how things are going to end. Be also patient. Establish your hearts for the coming of the Lord draws near. We are running out of time. Romans chapter 13, verse 12. It says that so the night is fast, man, the day is at hand. Therefore, cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. The, the night is fast, man. Time is not on our side. So for him to, for, for the writer, Peter, to continue to enjoin us to live the way we should live, he has to caveat it or predicate it on this premise that the end of all things is at hand. I mentioned in the previous teaching, everything has got an expiry date. Everything has got an everything created has an expiry date. And guess what? The expiry date is at hand. Another way of putting it, you are running out of time. I'm running out of time. We are running out of time. We are running out of tomorrows. There are less tomorrows left for your life than previously. There are less tomorrows left. And everyone here, everything on earth is running out of tomorrow. It's running out of tomorrow. So when you know that things we are running out of tomorrow, it, it, it provokes a certain way of living. Running out of tomorrow. You are out of time. It's like when you're writing an exam. When you're writing an exam and let's say you, you have three more questions to answer. And every, questions, every question is about 50 minutes. All right. And you've got three more questions to answer out of the eight. You're supposed to choose three more. And guess what? You are left with one hour. Or you are left with um, 50 minutes. 50 minutes or 40 minutes will not even be enough for, for, for one question, let alone for three questions to answer them. And so what you do, you, you come and you begin to operate with agency. Why? Because you are running out of time. You are running out of time. So you can't, you can't be thinking say, and then uh, daydream a little bit and keep writing. No, no, you don't have time. Brothers and sisters, we don't have time. We don't have time. So going back to the test, but the end of all things is at hand. It actually has come. It's like it has crept, uh, crept on us. The end of time is creeping on us. And it's, it's actually here, as I said in the previous teaching. Now, it's, it's, what it, it's trying to send a signal that we are the last generation. We are the last generation. But they've been saying this for 2,000 years. And as I explained, the last generation, every, every generation has been treated and has been handled by God and Scripture as the last generation since Christ left. So every generation is supposed to act as the last generation so that we have the agency as though he's coming. So that the actual, definitely one generation is going to be the last generation. It might be ours. It might, you never know, it might be ours. But then the previous generation lived, they are living in anticipation to the end or to the coming of Christ. Shouldn't be different from our living uh, our living as long as the anticipation in the, uh, to the uh, for anticipation towards or for the coming of Christ is concerned, and 
thousand years ago, that generation also lived. And so every generation, no generation is disadvantaged to say that, oh, we didn't renew, you're not coming, so it made us. No, everyone must live with the existential, as you remember I mentioned it, with the existential emergency that Christ is coming, the impetus. It becomes an impetus for godly living. I know Christ is about to show up. I know Christ is, I know the end is at hand. I know. So you live with the end in view. There's no way you can live an effective Christian life without the end in view. Your, your mind must be on the end. So he says that the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore, another way of putting it, therefore be ye. It's interesting. I, when I was studying, I came across that. that, that I, 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 or I noticed that be. It, you, you, it's, it's, it's a state of being. Because the end is, uh, is there, you, there's a, there's a way you are supposed to live. A state of being. Be. Be. Because the end is, why are you doing what you're doing? Because the end is at hand. Why are you doing, why are you behaving the way you behave? Because I'm running out of time. Take it easy. No, I can't take it easy. If I take it easy, I'll be eased out. Why? Because I'm running out of time. I'm running out. Sister, you are running out of time. Brother, you are running out of time. Church, we are running out of time. We cannot continue as usual. Why? Because we are running out of time. We are running. So because we are running out of time, on the ground, said, be. It's a necessary, a necessary requirement. Be ye, not some. Don't be thinking of how others are being. He said, you. It's very personal. He brings it to you. Oh, I wish this person was hearing this message. It's for you, not him. It's for you. Therefore, be ye. The end of all things uh, is at hand. Be ye, therefore. So use the word, therefore. On the basis so our uh, being or uh, uh, approaching life this way is, uh, has a reason, is reasonable, has a basis. On the basis, watch this, Christians, on the basis of the fact that we are running out of time, my brothers, my brothers and sisters, on the basis of the fact that Christ is, is about to show up any moment, on the basis of the fact that when Christ shows up, we are going to give an account, the way you have behaved, the way you have lived your Christian life, the way you have served in church, the way you have treated your wife, the way you have treated your husband, the way you have treated your, ch your children, the way you have handled your work with relation to your, your worship, the way you have, you have lived um, in practice to the things that the Word of God teaches. All these things... Because, because the end is at hand, you must take care. Be so, have a clear mind. Start approaching life from a different, uh-oh. Start approaching life from a different angle. Why? Because you are running out of time. And when you are running out of time, when time is not on your side, what, what are you supposed to do? That's what we are going to handle now. What, what am I I'm running out of time. Take it. Uh, come, come, come. Uh, I, I'm running out of time. Wait, 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 wait. Let me show you what to do. Let me show you what to do. The Bible does not leave us in guessing what to do. He doesn't leave us in guessing what to do. He tells us exactly what we should do because the end of all things is at hand. Now, when they say the end, the end of all things is at hand, therefore be, that means that in the light of the end, in the, so a lot of things that we do as Christians, a lot of the sacrifices that we give ourselves to as Christians, should have its meaning in our understanding of the coming of Christ or our anticipation of the coming of Christ or our knowing that the day, uh, the night is far spent. Our knowing that time 
is not on our side. We are running out of tomorrow. Everything has got an expiry day. I heard a story of a, a, a two friends who went out for dinner. They, they, they brothers also. They went out for dinner and they had a good meal and they were so full. They, one of them, I mean, they didn't even want, um, what do you call it? They didn't want dessert anymore. God, they're so full. And they're fine. The other guy said, okay, I'm, I think I'm fine. Let's go. I'm, I'm too full. It's all right. And then they got home, and they were about to go to bed. And one of the guys went to the fridge. The other guy went to change. And when he came back, the other guy has gone to the fridge and pulled out yogurt, a very special type of yogurt, and was eating the yogurt. And so his, his, his friend said, why are you eating again? I thought you were full. He said, I'm, actually, I'm full, but I have to eat this yogurt. Why? He said, because it expires tomorrow. <laughs> and I paid too much for it. I, I paid too much for this yogurt, so I want to eat it. I want to finish it so it doesn't go waste. You know, most times, people, is that you remember when um, your bundle, uh, uh, internet bundle and stuff like that, sometimes it doesn't roll over. So towards the end of the month, you have just a little, or you have so much to spare, because if you don't use it, it's going with. Sometimes we want to make sure you finish it before it goes with, because you've paid for it. So you want to finish it before it goes with. You want to finish that chicken before it goes bad. You want to finish that food before. We give a certain approach to it because we know what is coming. But it's, isn't it interesting that when it comes to our actual life, we, we are running out of time, but we are no urgent. And we don't approach life with a certain level of agency or consciousness of that fact. Well, que sera, sera. Whatever happens, happens. Let me just live and keep enjoy, enjoying life. You cannot keep enjoying life the way you are doing because you are running out of time. You are running out of time. You are, we, are, we are running out of time. Church! It shouldn't take coronavirus to make us wake up. The word should be enough. But maybe, thank God for the season. The season has actually woken some up, and some are still far asleep in Wonderland and snoring. The night is far spent. Wake up, wake up, wake up. The night is far spent. And because we know the end is at hand, the end is near, Peter is telling us that, therefore, now, when he says, therefore, that means you should live your life with this in mind, a certain, uh, you, because you know you have less tomorrows, because you know time is running out, because you know the expiry date is at hand, because you know that uh, you have to do something differently, differently because of the season. And that, guess what? This is talking about in the light of eternity, subspecies, Aeternitatis, subspecies aeternitatis. You have to begin to live life subspecies aeternitatis. That means that you are living with eternity in mind and uh, the entire universe. You are thinking how the, the import, you, know, you are not only thinking about your little space and your little life or your singular life and just this moment. You are thinking about the moments after. You are thinking about life after. You are thinking about God's cosmic plan, God's eternal purpose, God's global agenda. Church, let's begin to think about God's global universal agenda, God's universal agenda and eternal it's subspecies subspecies thinking in the light of eternity approaching light approaching life from eternal perspective and the cosmic angle 
Why? Because time is not on our side. You are running out of time. So when you are facing life with a, a philosophy, with a mindset of sub, subspecies itinitatis, what do you do? It's important. Now, he goes, uh, goes on to teach us, said, therefore, be sober. All right. So be, uh, uh, at the end of all things, be ye therefore, you have to be sober. Sober. Sober means focused. Sober means clear-mindedness. Sober means self-control. So you are focused, clear-minded, and self-control. You know when you are writing an exam and you are coming under pressure, if you are not careful, you will not be clear-minded. Oh, so many things are on your mind. Satan uses a lot of things to distract us. Satan likes it because when you are distracted, your productivity and your output is compromised. So Satan would like to use several things to distract you, my brother. There are things that you worry about which shouldn't be a worry for you. Which shouldn't focus. That shouldn't be your focus. That shouldn't be your focus. Let's, let's, let's give an, an example. Let's say um, in a country, uh, you are, let's say you are not a politician, but your, your party did not win and you feel like your party was rigged. You know, they, they, or cheated. They, the other party rigged the elections. And meanwhile, you are not, you are just, just your party. And you know what? And you are so down, you can't eat. You stop going to work. Hey, are you a politician? Did you lose an election? There are better things you should be. Look at your children. Look at your family. So you want to go and fight to be in prison? Have you lost sight of the important things? You know, so what he's trying to say is that we have to focus on important things. Be sober. There are too many things on your mind. That, let's say you have an exam in the next week, professional exam, major professional exam in one week's time, and they are playing World Cup, and your, your, your team is, is, is struggling. And you, you can't keep watching it and focusing and disturbing your mind because you need clear mind to think and to study and to prepare. And so sometimes at certain instances and certain periods of your life, there are some things that are not so important because of that you can't afford, you can't afford to focus on those things. Yeah, you can't afford to focus on some things because what you are dealing with at the moment in your life existentially is more concerning and more critical than those things, those things you can think about them when life is cool. But when you are under pressure or when you are running out of time, you, can't, you don't have time to be focusing on some stuff. You don't have time to, to give your attention to all kinds of things. What that sister said about you, what that brother said about you, and what they have done to you, and what this one, uh, the way he treated you. And that's what you are, you, are, you, are, you, are, you are feeding on. Feeding on. When there, there is a, an, a, 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 an important assignment at hand, when it's in a critical junction of your life, a critical junction of your life, you can't afford to make some things your focus. You need clear mind. You need clear-mindedness. Three things Satan uses to distract us. Number one, worry or troubles. He uses troubles to distract us. Troubles, this is happening, this is happening. And this problem, he uses problems. He allows, he tries to use problems to distract us. Number two, second thing Satan uses to distract us is drama in our lives. All of a sudden, it's like, this is happening, this is happening. And you are getting worried about this, excited about this. And this is it's so many things. Drama, drama to distract you. Drama, sometimes see through the drama and, and just say enough, it is enough. And focus on what is the matter and what, what's important and what matters. It doesn't matter what happens. 
let it happen. Because you don't care. Focus. There's a, there's a lot you can't do about yesterday. But there's so much you can do about tomorrow by virtue of what, how you handle today. There is a lot you can't do about yesterday. There is so much you can do about tomorrow based on how you handle today. Focus. Satan is trying to distract you from all kinds of drama. And number three, Satan, thing Satan uses to distract us is worldliness. 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 You are running out of time, my brother. This is not a time to, to indulge in all kinds of parties, all kinds of stuff that, why are you going back to drinking? Why are you going back to smoking? Why are you going back to humanizing? Why are you going to back into bitterness? Why are you going back into unforgiveness? Why are you going back into quarrels? Why are you going back into dodgy way of living? Why are you beginning to consider that guy again? What's wrong with you? What's wrong? You're beginning to consider. You shouldn't even be a subject of consideration. Why are you thinking of maybe, maybe God? God is not doing. God is not doing anything. God is not telling you anything about Him. He should be a dead and gone thing out of your life, sister, brother. You shouldn't be. Some, we shouldn't have time for some things. We shouldn't. Satan is going to use worldliness, fleshliness, carnality, all kinds of things to distract you because the time is crucial. We are living in a very crucial time. I know I'm prophesying to somebody. You are in a very crucial uh, uh, junction in your life. You are at a very crucial junction. Wake up and lift up your eyes and you will see. You will see that, that the, the ships of, of Tashis are coming. Your sons are coming from afar. The gold of Ephra is coming. Lift up your eyes. Arise and shine, for your light has come. Arise and shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. That is more reason why Satan would like to distract you with worldliness. So three things he uses to distract us. Um, troubles. Drama. Worldliness to distract us. To distract us from what? Having the clear mind, having the focus, and having the self-control for what? Why do you need clear mind, focus, and self-control? To be able to engage in prayer. All right? And so in First Peter chapter 1, verse 13, if you remember, he spoke to us about be sober. Be sober. He says that wherefore get up your Lord, the Lord of man. Be sober. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, he said, Be sober and be vigilant because your adversary, the devil, is trying to get you. He's trying to get here. Satan is after you. Don't, don't take life for granted. And don't take, oh, thank you, Jesus. Don't take events for granted. Events, okay, the events that are happening, what is going on, don't take it for granted. Satan is after you. He wants to distract you. Be sober and be vigilant. Be alert. Be sober. So here, he says that because all things are, the end of all things are at hand. You are supposed to be sober. Why? Why do we need uh, sobriety? Why do I need to be sober? He said, uh, be, be sober and watch unto prayer. In the absence of sobriety, in the absence of being sober, you, are, you will be disadvantaged in your prayer life. The end of all things are at hand. Four things the Bible tells us to do because the end of all things is at hand. So when you are running out of time, what are you supposed to be? You are supposed to pray. But in order to be able to pray effectively, you are we are supposed to be sober. We need sober-mindedness in other to watch and Pray so as to watch and pray. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 41, he says, told his disciples, watch and pray that ye do not enter into temptation. The spirit is willing, the flesh is weak, but you still have to do it. 
watch and pray. Watch and pray. He repeated it in Luke because it is so crucial. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18, and Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Ephesians 6, verse 18 talks about how we should pray always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2, it says, continue in prayer and watch in the same with thanksgiving. So we are supposed to watch in prayer. Get into prayer. Get into prayer. So then Satan would like to distract you with all these things. Use anything to distract you so that your prayer life will be compromised. Let's look at how the Amplified Version renders the same text. First um, Peter chapter 4, verse 7. Let's see how the Amplified Version said. But the end, the culmination of all things has now come near. Keep sound-minded and self-restrained restrained and alert therefore for the practice of prayer. You have to keep alert. Why? So you can practice prayer because it's necessary. If you don't have clear mind, your prayer life will be distracted, will, will, will suffer. You know, we have to pray. Pray at all costs. Pray at all times. So we need a certain clarity of mind in other to pray. So it says that um, the end of all things at hand, be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. Then the Bible continues to tell us in the next verse that above verse 8 said, above all things. This above all things means you have to prioritize this. This is a priority. Yeah. Above all things means priority. It means priority. It means preeminence. Preeminence above all things have fervent charity. If you remember chapter one, verse twenty-two, where we spoke about unmasked love, unfeigned love, love that is not fake. Okay, seeing you purify your soul in obeying the truth through the Spirit, unto unfeigned pure love, unmasked love. Here he says that in chapter four, verse eight, he says that um, we should have fervent charity where amongst yourselves in the fellowship, in the fraternity. Fervent, fervent means that intense. It it's, means intense. It means deep, deep love. This is not based on feeling. It's based on intentions. It's based on godliness. Deep love. It said, have fervent love amongst yourself. So it says that above all things, all things that's preeminently have. That word have means possess. You are supposed to have it. You are supposed to have it. Listen, we are supposed to operate in love so much that nobody within our circles should be love-starved. Nobody in our circles should be love-starved. In fact, Romans says that, owe no man anything. Don't owe any man anything except to love. Owe no man nothing except to love. Owe no man anything but to love one another for he that loveth has fulfilled the uh, he that loveth another has fulfilled oh no man anything let nobody around you within your circle be love starved don't starve you must have enough love that no one comes around you who feel unloved within your circles so it says that above all this you have to have it 
Have, you have it. It is not something you are born. You have it. It's not something you are wishing. You have it. Pastor, I'm, I'm struggling to have. You, you don't have a choice because the end of all things is at hand. Can you imagine someone who has got, uh, they say you've got two days to live and he, he, he wants to um, go and fight with someone over a car because they scratch his car. And he said, no, I want to fight this person because he scratched my car. And I want to go and scratch his own before I die. <laughs> you know, when, the, when you have the end in view, a lot of things become trivial. A lot of some, some things that are not essential become what they are. They become trivial, non-essential. They become petty. Husbands and wives. Petty quarrels. And the encouraging and entertaining things. Let go. Some things are petty. Some things are petty. Why did you say when we buy the car, you'll be the only one who'll be driving it? You'll, uh, you'll never consider me. And so it has become a major quarrel between husband and wife. The car has not been bought yet. The car has not been bought yet. <laughs> but they are so angry, they don't even talk. Because they are arguing. One person said, when I buy the car, I also have the, when we buy it, I also want to drive it. One, the husband said, I'm hoping one day I'll be able to buy uh, a very posh car, very, very, I mean, a very luxurious car. Maybe I, I want to buy uh, Porsche. One day I'll buy it. This is one day, one day. And when I buy it, I will, uh, I will always make sure the floor mat and the front seat is, is clean. So it's not everybody who can see that. Then the wife starts arguing. He started arguing. The wife, the wife said, are you, are you trying to say I can't sit there? He said, no, but you sometimes, you, you, maybe yes. He said, then it becomes an argument. Petty, petty. One day we'll buy a mansion, five, eight bedroom house. We'll buy it. And when we buy it, I'll have two rooms. And then we'll share one room. And then the other ones, and then it has become, this is just aspiration. It has become, a, this petty, this petty. Oh yeah, but it's telling me a lot about, about him, about her. But look at what we are dealing with. The condition you are dealing with. You are believing God for the fruit of the womb. You are believing God. You are praying, God, visit our family. Is this the time to engage in petty squabbles? Petty. Husband and wife. Brothers and sisters. The time, look, this coronavirus is affecting. This is not the time. Coronavirus is shutting down a lot of churches. This is not the time to go online and start lambasting pastors and churches. This is not the time to say, go and repeat negative things that you know about a church to another member who has, whose spiritual work is wobbly. Don't say some things. It will keep him out of church. It will keep him out of church. And time is not on our side. We need to gain more. People must be saved. Watch what he says. He said, put on fervent charity. Why? Because charity covers. We are talking about covering love. Charity covers. Love covers Plenty sins, many, many sins, not one sin, many. Love will cover a multitude. When we use the word, when the Bible uses the word multitude, multitude is a serious one, not many. Multitude is more than many. <laughs> multitude, beaucoup, beaucoup, plenty, countless, multitude. Jesus said, and the more, Bible said, the multitude came to him. Multitudes were added to the church. Multitudes. So love covers. It's, this is covering love. Covering love. So it says that we should have covering love because time is not on our side. 
preeminent love which is deeply from the heart. It's a love that is deeply from my heart. I think I would like to, which I normally wouldn't, don't do, but I would like to look at the verse 8 in the New Living Translation. Let's look at the verse 8 in the New Living Translation. It says that most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other, for love covers a multitude of sin. Continue to show, show it. Don't say it's in my heart. No, show it. Act it. Act it. Show it. So he says that continue, that means it's something you started. Continue. It's you, it's you, you should have it. Show deep love. So he says that, why? Because love covers. Love covers. Love covers. We are running out of time and we must have preeminent love in the church amongst us. Love covers. When you say love covers, can I per permit me to just uh, comment on the co covers? Does that mean when someone does something wrong, you just keep quiet over it, turn a blind eye over it? Not necessarily. Not necessarily, because some things must be said for what it is. Not in, an, in a way to discredit, to defame, to scandalize, or to harm somebody's character, or even to expose. Not, not, that, that shouldn't be our objective. Our objective, it should be love. So there are times where um, a friend, a brother is doing something wrong and it is necessary out of love to tell or report on the brother, report on the sister. So see, that, that is not a, a, an exposing love, but it's actually love in display. But when he says here, when he says love covers a multitude of sin, he's talking about a lot of things that you know what, well, you can turn a blind eye on, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I put some water in the fridge. I was about to drink it. I was so thirsty. It's only one glass, uh, one bottle, and the other bottle was not in the fridge. And I just can't drink if it's not uh, chilled. And I was so thirsty. I got back, and my, my flatmate or my roommate or my spouse has drank it. And it's, ah, you know, love covers a multitude. This you can just get, get over it. It doesn't matter. There are things you can get over. There are things you can turn a blind eye on. So don't be... Uh, a, 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 a Christian or a church, I mentioned it on Thursday, uh, 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 Gestapo, Gestapo. Who is a Gestapo? I, I think I have to, because somebody asked me, Pastor, what do you mean by, I wrote it in my Bible actually. Gestapo is uh, a Nazi secret political police. Okay? It's a secret political state police. Nazi, in the times of Nazi. They are wicked people. All their job is to look out. You won't see them, but they are looking out for who is doing something that is not politically right. That's not politically correct. What does not fit in? A, 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 a Gestapo, G-E-S-T-A-P-O, Gestapo, a, a church Gestapo. Oh, you are, oh, look at them. And look at what he's doing. This one. And you are looking for faults in people to pick on them. You are a Gestapo, a Gestapo, a church Gestapo. All you need is who is wrong, who hasn't done this right. Oh, look at how this works. Even sometimes people are praying. Maybe they are not praying well. They are preaching. They are not preaching the best way. But all you see is the wrong. They are not preaching right. But you are not seeing how actually they are touching some people. They are touching some. They may not get more, but they are touching some people. And you begin to mess everything up. You begin to mess everything up. We, we don't see the good in people. 
All he sees, oh, you've done this, you've done husband. You are picking on your wife on every little thing. You've done this, you've done this. Why have you done this? Why have you done this? Why did you, why did you leave it in the fridge for so long? Why did you do this? Why did you leave your socks here? Why did you put your socks in the fridge? Wife, sometimes you, you, know, you, call, you know he does that. Why did you do this? Why did you do this? Why did you do this? It's like everybody around you is always, can you imagine when you have a relationship with somebody and it, they always have to be on edge because they don't want to offend you. It's not good. Brothers and sisters, let us believe God and repent from such behavior. That, and we can't say, I'm nice. It's him or it's she who doesn't understand things. Well, you have to change. You have to do it in such a way that they feel relaxed around you. Marriage, Gestapo, Gestapo, Gestapo. Church, Gestapo. Church, Gestapo. Spiritual, Christian, Gestapo. All you know, all we do is looking for faults in people. Love covers a multitude of sins. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 12. Love covers a multitude of sins. Proverbs 10, 12. Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all sins. Love covers, that all sins, as I said, is petty things. Things that, you know, it can't, come on, come on. Get over it and let's move. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Get over it. Love covers all sins. In James chapter 5 verse 20, actually we should look at from verse 19. He says that, Brethren, if anyone amongst you wanders from the truth and someone turns him back, verse 20, he, let him know that he who turns a sinner from the error of his ways will save a soul from death and covers a multitude of sins. That's New King James. All right, let's go to NIV from verse 19. NIV, my brothers. If any one of you should wander from the truth and someone should bring him back. You see, we should take it upon ourselves to bring people back into fellowship. Because people can wander. Don't be a Gustavo looking for, look at him. She's gone back to that guy. He's gone back to that lady. He's gone back to the drinking. Look at him. And that's all you want. And you want everybody to see. Look at him. Look at him. Look at him. And that's all you want. You, are on, uh, you go anywhere, online, internet, and you try to be the Gustavo. Internet, church, Gustavo. Gestapo. Re trying to expose people. I will expose them. I will expose them. I will expose them. You are not acting in love. Exposing them to who? What solution does it bring? What help does it, in what way does it help the body? In what way does it strengthen the body? In what way does it help the sister stay faithful in church? What you are going to say to her about what that leader said? In what way is it going to help the sister? You are turning the person away. You, are you can tell this sister is not in the best of shape. This brother is not in the best of shape. Even if something was said, which is not the best, shouldn't have been said, you know that repeating it will aggravate the situation. There's, a, there's tension between Mr. A and Mrs. A. There's tension. And you've seen Mr. A saying something or sitting with some people which, whom he shouldn't be sitting with. Why are you going to tell Mrs. A? It will, it will it aggravate the situation. There are some things that are better not spoken, better not revealed in the interest of health and progress. I'm not talking about 
covered maliciously or to endorse evil. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the intention to expose just for the fun and the sake of it. I will expose. As for me, I look, I, I, my, I have a gift. I have a gift of seeing whose tongue is not right. People are praying and you, you are not praying. You are listening to whose tongue is not right. Uh, this person, their tongue is not right. <laughs> you know, there are some people like that. And that's so bizarre and preposterous. Praise God. So uh, it's important to understand that um, I, I was reading James. Let's go back to James chapter 5, verse 19. Let's look at the new, uh, um, okay, verse, verse 20. Let's look at verse 20, New Living Trans, uh, New International Version. Remember, Remember this, whoever turns a sinner from the error of his way will save him from death and cover a multitude of sin. New Living Translation, New Living Translation, is verse 20, verse 19, verse 19. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone amongst you wanders away from the truth, that means it tends to happen. People wander from the truth. People tend to want to leave church. People wonder, don't, don't add to it. Restore them. Because, sister, since you live, you have wounded from the truth. You know that, oh, I don't, I don't do the praying again. But look at your state. Look at your state. You say you don't do the prayer. But to be honest, look, you've gone back to drinking. You've gone back to smoking. You've gone back to lying. You've gone back to cheating on your wife. You've gone back to bitterness. You, you, got, reco you got recovered from all that. But in, this, in that stage, look, you're saying that, oh, okay, I'm not even interested. I'm, I'm not even interested in church. I'm not even interested. In, but look, look, listen, you are, out, you are running out of time. You are running out of time. It's if you are not interested in the relationship or friendship with these believers, but at the same time, you, are, you have a, a, a stronger relationship with God with other believers, and it's growing, and you can tell that your worldliness, your, your sexual challenges, your behavioral issues that are sinful have actually reduced far, far, and it's reducing more. Then we can talk. That's, oh, yeah, yeah. But you can tell, being honest to yourself, you have strayed from the truth. You have strayed from the truthful past, the truth of God's word. You know, this is God, God's word calls us to. Uh, um, to praying. God's word calls us to fellowshipping. God's word calls us to service. God's word calls us to giving, sacrificially so. Yeah, giving. Uh, I gave the other time. I was in that one church and the pastor was a thief and so I stopped giving. No, don't stray from the truth. Don't stray from the truth. Don't stray from the truth. You know that's what the word of God teaches. You know it. You know it. Obey the word. Don't stray from the truth. Don't wander from the truth. Satan will do anything to make us wander from the truth. So he says that if someone wanders from the truth, somebody, anyone who goes to bring the person back, if someone uh, amongst, uh, amongst you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, verse 20, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back will save that person person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. One translation, I think the message talks about how uh, you stop further escalation of, of this kind of sin. Many people down, this one is also doing it. It's become an uh, epidemic. Epidemic is becoming widespread. Well, everybody is now doing it. Everybody is going back to their boyfriend. Everybody is going to, because you see, this one that we, we left, it's now become an inspiration. This one says, I'm leaving the church. It becomes an inspiration. This was, a, I, I, I'm stopping giving. It becomes uh, a, a, an inspiration for others, epidemic. So then we have to win the other person so it doesn't become a trend. And God said that if you do that, 
you have saved someone from death. Now, going back to First Peter, our original text, he says that uh, above all, because time is not on our side, what are we supposed to do? We are supposed to be sober. Why to be sober? So we can engage in fervent prayer. All right. So we need fervent prayer. Number two, what do we need? We need preeminent love. And then number three, we need, um, and I'll continue in the next session and talk a bit more about, it says that let's use hospitality. In the next verse, use hospitality. What does it mean to use hospitality? But because of time, I want to end here. And then in our next session, I'll pick the verse 9, using hospitality. And then number 10, ministering as stewards of God. So the four things that we are supposed to do because time is not on our side. We are supposed to be prayerful or fervent prayers. Number two, loving or um, preeminent love. Number three, hospitality, ungrudging hospitality, and then number four, prominent service. If you are running out of time, I pray that. Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. You can also subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube. Don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you're always up to date. Be blessed.